Well, good evening. It's great to be back with you. I was here a year ago, uh, this, I think the same, just about the same time last year as you had your missions this week. And I'm privileged to come back and preach the word to you again. Uh, I've been pastoring at Centerpoint Church now. It's, uh, the time is going awfully fast. It's been five years since our opening. And by God's grace, the church is starting to establish itself in the community. And we are um, finding new ways to uh, make those connections. And we're seeing people come from a variety of avenues. We've been doing some things uh, like connecting with Central Elementary School in a variety of ways, and we are engaged in some of their classroom activities, trying to reach outside of the classroom as well. Uh, we've started an English as a Second Language program in the community. We are doing some networking with what we call missional communities, mid-sized groups that are meeting in neighborhoods are beginning now. We have discipling things going on, so there's a whole variety of things that at Centerpoint we continue to do to try to reach the neighborhood around us. Uh, one of the things at the beginning of Centerpoint's uh, ministry that we really emphasized was the value of flexibility. And if you're going to be a church planner and starting new work, um, you have to be flexible. There are things that change that you cannot anticipate, and we have had that numerous times. Uh, we are in a, a period right now, by God's grace, of some growth, and uh, we have, we're about 120, 130 people now. And we have maxed out the space that we're in. We're beginning to look for a new space to worship in. And so, again, we're coming to the congregation and saying, please be flexible with us as we go through this time of, of transition. And it's one of the things that has really impressed on me in all my years of ministry is that God is continually asking, challenging, calling us to be flexible, teachable, and moldable for his honor. He wants to change us from the inside out. And he wants us to be flexible for the things that he has called us to do. You know, we just spent some time praying for a lot of missionaries around the world, and it is, it is fantastic to hear the support that Faith Church has for missionaries all around the globe. And you can only imagine in each of those stories all the changes, transitions, and the flexibility that, that the churches and the the pastors, the missionaries, have to exhibit. But it's no less true for you and for me. Really appreciate one of the prayers uh, just mentioned here tonight about the mission field in our backyard and how though Mission Emphasis Week ends every year after a couple of weeks, the mission continues. And if the Lord is going to use us, we have to be ongoingly flexible and usable and teachable for the in-time opportunities that God will give us wherever he's placed us. I've tried to keep this spirit about me uh, through my ministry life and in my own neighborhood. And it's a calling for us tonight as well. The ability and willingness to change and to be used by God where he's placed us. The text I'd like to read to you that reflects that is 2 Corinthians 5. Probably a familiar text to many of you. And we're going to look at verse 16 to 21 of 2 Corinthians 5. The prior verses uh, are really rich. Paul says in verse 14, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Powerful words. 
powerful words that remind us that our life doesn't belong to ourselves. That nothing about my existence on this earth should any longer be simply for my own purposes. For those before they come to know Christ, that's all they know. People who walk into Center Point Church prior to a faith in Christ simply go about the routine of their life until often a crisis hits. And then they come looking for answers. And when they find Christ, they realize something significant has to change. Many of us, self-included, have lived in the faith all of our lives. I certainly have. And I need the reminder that my life does not belong to me, but to him who has a calling on my life. This is a change. And the next part of the text we're going to focus on reflects that. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's two changes that are reflected in this text. The first of the change is what we refer to in theological terms as as the justification moment where we become right with God, where the Spirit is embedded in our lives, where we fundamentally change from the inside out, we become a new creation in Christ. Without that change, none of us will see eternity with Christ. That is a fundamental change that every one of us has to go through, and the Spirit has to bring it about, and we have to respond to it. And if that's for you the first time hearing it, And may the Lord work that out in your life, and may you search it until you understand what that means. But it's the most important change that could ever happen in our lives. The second change, and the one we're going to focus on tonight, is what happens as a result of that change. As the text goes on, it says, uh, once we've talked about that we are a new creation in Christ, it goes on to say, that all this, this is verse 18, is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is the second change. And that is that the function and the focus of our life becomes the work of reconciling. The work of helping someone else to become unified with Christ. Reconciling means to bring together. It means to build a bridge. It means to draw somebody to the place where they will find peace. And that is the fundamental work that you and I are about every single day, wherever God has placed us. In every job that you do, there is another job that God has given to you. In every calling, in every ministry, in every exercise, in every 
part of your daily schedule of life, there is something else God has also called you to do. I don't know if you've ever seen one of these Russian dolls, but they're really pretty interesting, not just because they're a nice ornament to put on the shelf, but because if you open it up, inside of it is another Russian doll. And of course, if you open that one up, there's another one. And if you take that one and you open that one up, there's another one. And if you take that one and you open it up, there is yet one more. Until you get to the very small one. And I think that this is the idea that the text is trying to communicate to us. That we no longer live for ourselves so that, such that, in everything you and I do, whether you work as an executive in a company, or you're a student full-time, or you're a homemaker, or you're engaged in full-time retirement activities, whatever that may look like for you, in everything that you believe is the fundamental part of your life activities, there's something else for you to do. And it is to be involved in the work of reconciling others, not just to each other. That's what the world often thinks primarily about, the peacemaking that is so needed in a world of strife and conflict, right? but also the work of reconciling people to Jesus Christ. It's it's really pretty amazing the strength, the importance with which this text conveys that message. If you look at the verses, uh, look at verse 16. First of all, it says, For no one is regarded from a worldly point of view. This past week I had a conflict with someone. And I had to resolve some of my own energy and emotion around that and then process it with that person. And I had to first of all remind myself that that person with whom I was having a conflict is made in the image of God. And that I should no longer look at that person from a worldly point of view. That's what this text says. As you look at the neighbor on the other side of the fence who never goes to church, as you sit in the cubicle next to somebody who does not know Christ, as you go to school, and maybe you find someone who should be a believer in Christ because they go to church, but they don't really live it out. There's no consistency in that person. If, as, you, as you have a conflict with someone in your life, you look at them and you say, but they are, they are a person made in the image of God. You, we no longer look at anyone from a worldly point of view. If you look further in the text, down in uh, verse 19, we're told that not only does Christ reconcile reconcile us, but he commits to us the ministry of reconciliation. He commits it to us. Earlier, Paul says, I am compelled by the love of Christ. This is not suggestion. This is not just an invitation. This is a call and a challenge. This is a compelling urgency that we are to be about the work of drawing somebody closer to God incrementally and if possible to help them bow the knee before Christ. And then of course a little further on you've got those, that term you are an ambassador for Christ. And you can imagine what a, a United Nations ambassador is like, but that person is, is so far removed from us, it's hard to even think in those terms. But if you think in your neighborhood or in the career that you have, let's say you're 
you're a salesman in a company, and you are, you're on a sales call, but you've got some of the executives of your company with you on that sales call. And if you were in the middle of that sales call to say something negative about your company or to be uh, denigrating of the product that you're trying to sell, imagine what would happen when you got out of that meeting with the executives who were there with you. Awkward, to say the least, right? Every single day we live in the presence of Almighty God, who through His Son, Jesus Christ, has set about the redemption of the world through what Christ did for us on the cross. And when we meet somebody who doesn't know Christ, God is in the room. And his call, his compelling urgency to us is to be about the work of reconciling. And so in everything that we do, there is another job for us to do. And it's at the core of what we are called to be about. Asking God for the ability, for the wisdom, for the opportunity, for the words, for the moment to draw that person one step closer across the line to reconciliation with Jesus Christ. The other alternative is this, that we could take this passage and we could split it in two. If you look at verse 18, it says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself. Now, that's the part that we love. That's the part that makes me feel secure. To know that Christ has reconciled me to the Father. That he went to the cross, as we're going to celebrate on Good Friday and on Easter, that he rose from the dead so we can have not just our sins forgiven, but the hope of eternal life. That we have rock solid. And to have that that secure hold on redemption for eternity is something we love. But it's like the difference that was communicated to me when I was a teenager by a youth speaker who said to the group, as though he was saying it to me because it impacted my heart so, he said, many of you have accepted Christ as the forgiver of your sins and you are so grateful for that. But have you really surrendered to him as the Lord and the leader of your life? You cannot have Christ as the forgiver of your sins if he is not also the leader and the Lord of your life. We know that to be true, right? That Christ must be both Savior and Lord. And so we can't split this text. We love that he is the reconciler of our lives and of our souls for Christ. But then the second half of the verse is equally true. That the God who reconciled us to himself through Christ gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And our privilege, our call, Every single day. As true as it is for all the missionaries that we prayed for tonight is as true as it is for us who are missionaries. Every single day. Whether you work in a hospital, live in a retirement home, go to a school where many, many are Christians, but maybe some are not. Wherever it is that we find ourselves, this urgent call is for you and for me. I remember when studying to become a pastor and finally accepting the call of God in my life, I I was not going to be a pastor. I was scared to death of public speaking. Not a good thing for a pastor who's going to be in front of people every single Sunday. 
So I decided that God's call in my life must be to be an accountant. So I spent a year studying accounting at the University of Manitoba in Canada. And then God sent me on a mission trip, and on that mission trip convicted me that I was going the wrong direction with career. And then going to Kuiper College, or Reformed Bible College, I remember standing outside the dorm one day, looking up into the sky and saying, God, I give. I will do what you call me to do. Which said about this flurry of activity, changing my course of studies toward ministry, and, and having this idea that if I could just complete my studies then when I was finished, then I would be this ambassador for Christ. But in the meantime, I had to get through my studies. And of course, you have to pay for college, which isn't very cheap, so I got the best job I could find making the most money, but it was a job that I hated doing. It was in Winnipeg, during the summertime, in a sewage treatment plant, scraping and painting pipes around the tanks. Fun job, right? Spent the entire summer making good union money, but a job that I hated. Well, I got to know some of the other guys, rough characters, working with me. One guy in particular I worked with all summer long, 40 hours a week, scraping pipes together around the sewage tank. The guy that was assigned to work with me was a guy who was particularly unsavory. He had been working with girls on the street. He was a pimp. And the police had pulled him off the street and said, either you get a job and you get out of that business or we're going to throw you in jail. This is what he told me. And so we spent that entire summer together scraping and painting pipes around a sewage tank, and I hated the job, but he, through the course of the summer, started asking me questions about what I do. I said, I go to Bible college. Bible college? It was, it was so foreign to him. He had never opened the Bible. He, never, he didn't know anything. But he was full of questions. And we spent that entire summer with him peppering me with questions. What is the Bible? Why do you believe it? Who is God? Why would you believe in someone you can't see? Jesus, the Lamb of God. What, what is that? Lamb of God. No sense to him at all. Question after question after question. Sometimes he would make fun of me, but he would always come back to more questions. At the end of the summer, we parted ways, and I never heard from him again. I have no idea what happened to him, but I learned something that summer. I learned that there isn't a single moment of my life in which I am not called to the ministry of reconciliation. It's not that I can put it on pause until I'm finished my studies. Or I can put it on hold until I'm finished dealing with this medical condition that I have. Or I can wait until I deal with those financial issues that are pressing on my life. Or I can, I can wait until all my questions have been answered and all my doubts have been erased. I learned that summer, while still at Kuiper College, that the training and preparation ground for formal ministry was actually already a ground of ministry on the, on the ground, on the road. And the truth of the matter is, when we walk out of this building tonight, into that parking lot, into our cars, wherever we go, we go into a mission field. What a privilege we have, isn't it? What a privilege. There may be times in life when the other things, the other jobs that we do feel very successful. And other, sometimes when we feel it's not successful at all. 
But the real significance of our life is this, that regardless of how effective things are in and around the other things of life, the core of what it is we're called to do is to take what God has done at the core of our hearts and to share it with the core of another person's heart and to pray to mighty God that he would use us for the ministry of reconciliation so one more person can come to know Christ. One more person. Had the privilege this past June of baptizing an entire family. The parents who were reflecting their surrender to Christ and the covenant on their hearts. And then the baptizing of their children to receive the sign of the grace of God. There is nothing better than to see one more person come to know Christ. And wherever it is that you find yourself at your age, stage of life, it doesn't matter. This ministry is yours for today and for always. May the Lord grant that in a year from now, if we meet again, or five years, or ten years, when we get to the end of our life, and we meet our Savior, Jesus Christ, who says to us, what did you do with your time on this earth? We'll be able to say, among other things, that the core of my heart was surrendered in submission to the mission you gave me to see one more person become reconciled at the foot of Jesus. Amen?